we were always concerned with those sorts of issues uh, as to who would be surveyed, of course, that was a matter for the particular agencies. Did you, though, ask them whether they were balancing it between the Muslim community and, for instance, the far right? Uh, I must confess, the issue of the far right, when I was the minister, uh, never came to the forefront. We were more concerned with particular activities, namely terrorism, cyber-terrorism, issues like that. In that time, did you sign any warrants to spy on the Muslim community? I think it's very important to say that uh, even though I have left office, I have lifelong obligations of confidence, so it would be inappropriate and indeed wrong uh, for me to comment on particular matters. We're not asking about particular names, but Andrew Little, as Minister now, he has said that he has signed warrants for spying on the far right, so I'm asking whether you signed any warrants to spy on the far right or the Muslim community. I'm not prepared to answer particular questions on those matters. The fact the far right didn't come up, though, during that time when you were in charge, are you surprised at that? No, uh, not necessarily. I think that when one is dealing with these sorts of lone wolf attacks, they're very hard to identify. Uh, And the other thing I'd say is that the low probability of something happening doesn't necessarily mean it won't happen. Uh, I think that the National Security Committee and the various agencies uh, did a pretty good job in identifying particular risks. The setup, in terms of the structure, um, is focused, according to the 27 briefing to uh, Jacinda Ardern, on a structure that responds to events uh, rather than uh, seeks to forecast so much. Um, is that a problem? Is that not that's okay? For instance, when dealing with an earthquake, but isn't that a recipe for disaster when dealing with a terrorist attack? Well, I'd agree with you, and I don't know that the briefing's necessarily accurate. That's not the way I saw it. The whole purpose of having a discussion starting at the National Security Committee with the officials having um, a parallel committee uh, is so that we can start to think about issues long term. So I'm sorry, I don't um, agree with the briefing. What about that? very risk register, was there one while you were minister? There there were uh, risks which were identified to the country. Uh, I don't know that I would ever have referred to it as a risk register, uh, but that's just a question of terminology. Is it though because the panel, the Strategic Risk and Resilience Panel, which was an advisory body, uh, their job was to set up such a framework, a a register if you like, and and they failed to do that. Was that a problem? Uh, I look, I just can't quite uh, recall whether there was a failure on that, but I think I can say that whether you call it a framework or a register or a list, there were always people who were proactively considering uh, security risks of all sorts uh, to our country. By the time he left office in 2017, after the brick-by-brick rebuilding, was everything in place in the national security system that you felt was vital to be there? Uh, Yes, I thought that there had been uh, a sensible increase in expenditure. Secondly, we had thoroughly reviewed the legislation. I have asked myself in the aftermath of the Christchurch tragedy uh, whether the agencies need more powers in that legislation. I am firmly of the view they do not, uh, and that uh, the legislative framework 
is there that enables them to do an effective job for New Zealanders? It will be for the officials to answer whether there was uh, a change in the threat landscape and how they responded. Uh, But in terms of the the kinds of machinery that we had, I thought that that was adequate. In terms of focusing on issues in a systematic way, um, I think that was done. Researchers who've looked into it and our own inquiries show that there isn't a national security strategy. Is that a weakness, the lack of one? Well, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat perplexed by the question because I come back to my first answer to your first question, Uh, and that is the national security framework, uh, the committee, uh, the priorities. So I'm afraid I think some of the commentators may not necessarily know the system all that well, uh, and maybe they should before they open their mouths. The DPMC has told us there is not a national counterterrorism strategy document. Uh, Is that a weakness? I don't know uh, whether uh, what the current uh, state is, but certainly uh, when... Uh, I was the minister, uh, questions of all forms of terrorism uh, were foremost uh, in our minds. Uh, Was there a counter-terrorism strategy? Uh, I don't want to sound vague. Uh, I'm not sure. A researcher has told me that a top official in the time towards the end of the key government told him that that lack of a strategy was deliberate so that the government couldn't be held accountable to it. Is that the case? I would say that's rubbish. The idea that uh, we that the the key government or the English government would compromise national security for crass political considerations is contemptible. They ultimately came up with this report that was was drafted in um, in two thousand and nine. So this by this point, it's after Obama's elected. That sent out to all the Department of Homeland Security's partners in in local and and state law enforcement, not for public consumption, that said, look, the election of the first black president combined with a continuing economic crisis and the return of soldiers from Iraq and Afghanistan after many years at war, um, who are now coming home to a country that was not... um, necessarily as welcoming to them as they might have wanted, that these these conditions had kind of created a really fertile ground for people on the far right who wanted to find people to join their movement to recruit. They could easily reach out to various people who were angry. So this went out and the backlash to this was almost immediate. Somebody within federal law enforcement wound up leaking this report to this right-wing talk show host in California. And then that then went viral. And then Republican members of Congress kind of weighing in on this report by the Obama administration, which they interpreted as being a kind of denunciation of all conservatives as potential domestic terrorists. And it really became a huge issue. And DHS had to, um, ultimately, they rescinded the report. They withdrew it. So what Um, could have been and was meant to be a wake-up call, and in fact, What was forecast there essentially is how it plays out in terms of the emboldening of the far right turns into something that's politicised. So what happens with this report demonstrates that political cost of trying to raise this and address this. It becomes kind of, you know, this cause celeb and the report is taken back and 
the team, Daryl Johnson's team that had been working on this report, they disintegrated this team. Um, so the kind of focus on domestic terrorism, which was very, very small to begin with, but at least there was a sort of dedicated unit, there was no longer this little dedicated unit. And so that is really just emblematic of honestly, you know, the, the tremendous, tremendous focus that the United States, like a lot of other countries, have given to the threat of international terrorism committed by Sunni Muslim extremists specifically. And almost, you know, very, very little money and time or energy or attention was spent to looking at what actually was a much bigger problem in this country, which is the pockets all over the country of people who have, you know, hold, you know, not just extreme views, but who are prone to act violently on those extreme views, often against members of law enforcement themselves. And um, there really has never been any sort of real strategy um, around this issue. And so what we've seen, you know, over the past several years is like, you know, this kind of uptick in, in these in these incidents. So that remains the case and in fact is worse after the election in 2016 of President Trump, is it? The President of the United States has rhetorically encouraged this kind of uh, mentality. Look, there's there's one thing that I think is, is important, you know, with regard to your own situation. When ISIS emerged and it became clear that they were really marketing themselves to teenagers, there was a lot of effort to understand what they were talking about. There was a real like frantic sense within the DOJ, within the State Department particularly, to figure out ways that they could like reach these kids who were kind of, you know, on these websites. There was like absolutely no effort that has ever been made, to my knowledge, by the federal government to understand the language of the far right on the internet. And that is a really big problem. And in fact, money for that exact kind of study was taken away from programs that were, were had been granted money under Obama. So there's this kind of gigantic like intelligence gap across not just cops, it's police, it's federal law enforcement, it's Department of State, it's politicians, it's, you know, journalists like myself are the people who are informing our own government. So if New Zealand security agencies now, or in 2009 or 2016, if they had gone to the US for clues as to how to fight far-right extremism, would they have got anything useful? It sounds like they wouldn't. No, I, I would imagine they would have gotten about zero. Seriously. I'm sorry to be a little pessimistic. I mean, what I was told by one of my sources was like, we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue about any of that in regard to the far right. 